Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes, and this is the first episode of 2019. Many listeners to the show have their own clients and also work for other training companies as associate trainers, freelance trainers, contract trainers, also known as hired trainers. And I've received correspondence from listeners who are not yet trainers, but listen to the program. So you might be currently a teacher or a corporate employee out there. You might just have started in the training business and you're asking yourself this question, how do I get work as an associate trainer? Today, we're going to answer that question. This is episode 21 of the podcast. Let's get down to training business. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Welcome. This is the show for training business owners just like you around the world. And the goal of the show is very simple. It's to help you to learn more, to earn more, and to grow your training business. As I said at the outset, today's question is, how do I get hired as an associate trainer? And the reason we're addressing this is because Training companies don't always have all the trainers they need. It's impractical to keep full-time employed trainers on standby just in case training work comes in. Instead, what most training companies do is they develop a bank, a group, a pool, or a faculty of trainers whom they trust and can rely on to represent them to their training clients. And in a future episode... I will be interviewing a faculty manager that is someone typically who has the the power to hire and onboard potential trainers to work as part of the company's pool of trainers. And to get a taste of this, you can listen to episode eight of the podcast from last year, 2018, which was with Karen Winfield, Global Ops Director or Operations Director of PD Training in Australia. And she told us all about how she runs, identifies, onboards, develops, and runs a faculty of approximately 300 trainers from around the world. So before we dive into this, I thought it would be a good idea to actually answer another question, which is why should or would you want to work as an associate trainer? Now, I came up with four reasons. You might come up with five or six or seven, but let's just take these four reasons which uh, popped into my mind. The very first one is, one, you are new to the training business and you don't yet have enough experience or direct clients, and that's okay. We've all started somewhere. So working with a training company as one of their associates or associate contract trainers is an excellent way to learn the ropes and to make connections within the industry, to build your network, if you will. Reason number two, you do have some direct clients, but you don't have enough work from them. So you need to balance your income between clients with whom you deal directly or training on behalf of another training company as one of their trainers. Um, And many trainers that I know, including myself, balance their time between working with their own direct clients and working as one of the outsourced trainers for a larger training company. And you can listen to episode two with Pete Starr, who tells a powerful story 
of how he does both, but is eventually aiming at generating 100% of his revenue from direct clients. That may or may not be your goal. Reason number three, you need exposure to the kinds of work which is given to larger multiple person training companies. So for example, that or a training contract might require a trainer with specific industry knowledge in pharmaceuticals or defense or something to do with sales or finance. And without that experience, you're not going to get that business. So very often you need exposure to the kinds of work uh, which will develop your skill set over time. But initially, without being able to work on those projects, you'll not be able to get that experience. Does that make sense? So some kinds of training contracts, by virtue of their size, of their value, of their complexity, you will never get as a one-person, one-woman, one-man training company or small training business simply because of the nature of the training contract. Perhaps a, a client requires a panel of at least 10 or 35 trainers or a minimum turnover before it can be shortlisted or considered a suitable training partner for a large national or international training contract. Say the kinds of training contract uh, or proposals which might come from Boeing or Hilton International or some multi-city legal firm. Do you get the idea? So just by being on your own, you will never get that kind of exposure to that kind of work. Even if you're a small training company, some kinds of contracts typically are only given to larger training companies with a particular skill set, record, turnover, and size, etc. Reason number four, maybe you don't want your own direct clients. I know trainers just like this. Uh, Maybe you're happy to let others to uh, write proposals or create training materials, pitch for business, attract new clients, and manage those client relationships, etc. In episode three, Bart Brammer from Tennessee in the States explains that he's perfectly happy to let training associates, which is one of the training vendors or training companies out there, uh, provide him with quality training work consistently. And Bart is very happy with this arrangement. Many trainers love training, they just don't like the administration of training. So they don't want to have to pursue uh, their own clients and spend time pitching to those clients and maybe risking uh, the ups and downs of not having income coming in regularly. Instead, they, they want to work with someone else's clients. So there are four reasons why you should or would want to work as an associate trainer. If you want to listen to them again, rewind the episode and listen to them and think about those reasons. Does it actually make sense for you to work as an associate trainer? Okay, personally speaking, uh, this has worked very well for me because in 2018 alone, I trained and coached uh, clients of clients. In other words, I represented a training and coaching business or businesses uh, in places like Bangkok, Jakarta, Austin, Sydney, San Francisco, Geneva, uh, New York, and then closer to home in Dublin, uh, Heidelberg, Dusseldorf, and Frankfurt in Germany as an associate trainer and coach. And this is not to say that, you know, I'm not showing off here. This is not to say that you or or I will always get this kinds of work. It's just an idea of the kinds of projects which could take you to multiple destinations, working with a variety of clients as an associate. 
I've worked with training companies as a trainer for 18 years. So I have a well-established track record and I have both fantastic direct clients as well as relationships with training uh, companies who bring me in on some great training and facilitation projects. So I like the balance. I like the variety. That may or may not be the case for you. But I have always been an advocate of working as a trainer for other training companies for those reasons I've listed. I take their client relationships seriously. And those training companies know that they can trust me with their clients and their promises to those clients. And this is what working as an associate trainer is all about. I think that's worth paraphrasing. Working as an associate or a contract trainer requires that you take a training company's client relationship seriously, such that the training company trusts you with their clients and the fulfillment of the promises made to those clients. And this is the core of working as an associate trainer. So, Let's now dive into the five steps so you can get hired as an associate trainer. This is what I promised you in today's episode. So we're going to go through five steps. Now, again, why not six or seven steps? Well, I don't know. It's up to you. You can perhaps come up with a couple more. I've identified five steps to get hired as as an associate trainer. And these are the ones that make sense to you and to me, typically, And if you want to add these or, you know, come up with a sixth reason, that's fine. But here are some really good reasons and steps, I should say, to get hired as an associate trainer. So I'll list them first of all, and then I'll go through them individually. Okay. Number one, identify the right training company. Number two, step into their shoes. Number three, prepare your pitch. Number four, rock the interview. And number five, keep on selling. Here they are again. One, identify the right training company. Two, step into their shoes. Three, prepare your pitch. Four, rock the interview. And five, keep on selling. Okay, so let's now go into each of these individually. Are you ready? Number one, identify the right training company. Where do you start? Where do you find training companies? Well, obviously in your hometown, your home city, your country, there are bound to be some really well-known industry players, training companies with an established track record in a specific area of perhaps something which relates to your expertise. And you can find them online by simply putting in a search into Google or to Bing or Baidu, whichever is your training, uh, well, rather your search engine of choice. It's entirely up to you. depends on your language and where, are, where you are in the world listening to this. Um, another idea is to look up trainingindustry.com and trainingindustry.com is a website which has a valuable list of training companies every single year which you could approach. And this is what trainingindustry.com do. They produce a list of typically the top 20 training companies in a range of specialities, for example, sales or leadership. The thing is, though, many of these are large 100 or more employee companies. They're quite big, and it can be difficult sometimes to get in the door. But that's not to say you should give up. Uh, These are companies which are quality companies with quality relationships. So these should be the kinds of training companies you aspire to work with. 
You can also look up a website called findcourses.com. Now, I know that uh, for some of you, English is not your first language, and these tend to be websites which I'm listing or giving you, which are aimed at serving companies uh, in the English-speaking sphere. But uh, again, by looking on Google, you'll find companies, training companies and listings of those companies in your part of the world. So forgive me if I just focus on specific ones for now. So findcourses.com lists courses and training companies in North America and findcourses.co.uk, which is one of the ones I'm familiar with, lists courses and companies, training companies in the UK specifically. But as I said, there are also lists of training companies online in India, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, etc. So having done that, the next thing you should do is to look at the list of courses they provide. Some are generic, some are general, and some uh, focus on specific areas like resilience or coaching or maybe sales. Up to you which you think is the right one for you. So the question here is, could you realistically deliver any of the courses in their portfolio? Have you working experience in this area? Have you results in this area from being a professional in one of those industries? Look at the clients that they have. Have you had anything to do with those clients before professionally or worked in their industry? Finance, sales, HR, management, etc. Then go on to LinkedIn, of course, or Zing if you're in Germany or Austria or Switzerland, uh, and identify the person with the power to make a vetting or a hiring decision for a trainer. How do you do that? Well, great question. Typically, you'll need to look for people with the job title of training coordinator, global resourcing manager, head of global resourcing, head of training faculty, etc. Read their profile. And now here's my pro tip, my pro tip for this one. Imagine what you would say to this person if you had just 60 seconds to get their attention. And that's typically how long you have to make your application, your pitch professional, powerful, and personal. And this brings us to step two, which is step into their shoes. So before you even contact these people, ask yourself, what's it like to be them? What makes their job as a faculty manager, a head of training faculty, or head of global resourcing easy or difficult? What makes their job easy or difficult? Um, What does the training company they work for sell? Um, What do they perhaps not yet sell that you could help them with? So these are all the kinds of things you should think about before you ever lift the phone or write an email. Um, find out whom they sell to, who are their current clients, what are their values? Many companies list their values, their why they exist, their why. And this tells you typically what they will look for you or look for within you as shared values. So get a feel for their language. Um, Some have pages dedicated to explaining how prospective trainers can approach them and which roles they're looking for. And sometimes some training companies go into lots of detail and explain the process of how to apply, perhaps sending in a video, sending in a demonstration, etc., etc. Either way, they will tell you what they will look for in you, and it's up to you to prepare for this by reading this process through. So give some really careful thought 
as to whether you want to work for this kind of company and represent this training company because it's not a short-term relationship. Training companies want to find someone who fits with the rest of the training faculty and can reliably represent their brand when they're not around. Does that make sense? You're effectively wearing their brand, wearing their hat. Can you do that? And so my pro tip here is to look into which awards that training company has won. The good ones will have won awards. That tells you what they pride themselves on. And many good training companies have uh, Vimeo or YouTube channels. So if you watch their videos, read their tweets, learn about their news, the awards they've won, etc., what they're aiming for, then you should be informed or as informed as an employee would be. And then you need to demonstrate this knowledge, this, this awareness when you get the chance to pitch on front of them. And this brings us to step three in getting hired as an, as an associate trainer. And the step three is prepare your pitch. Now, this is the part where you're actually now going to uh, approach someone in a way that makes you stand out and makes you different from other people. Here's what most prospective trainers do when contacting training companies. And I know this because I've had many conversations about this with people who hire trainers. Here's what most people do. They make a phone call unprepared or they send a CV and they wait for the phone to ring. No, don't do that way. Put aside the CV because the CV, if you think about this initially, the CV basically says, here's what I've done for other people. Instead, what you need to do is to create a customized, dedicated, thoughtful pitch which says, here's what I will do for you. See the difference? Your CV is past tense. It's retrospective. What you've done for others, okay, that's useful to know. But instead, what would impress me and has impressed me when I've been a learning and development manager hiring trainers and instructional designers is, I want someone to put some thought into what they can do for me to make my uh, achievement of my goals easier and make my life easier. Does that make sense? And you can only do this if you've completed step two properly by stepping into the hiring manager's, uh, resourcing manager's uh, brain, their world, understanding them. Many trainers uh, apply when they are thinking of approaching training companies, and their applications tend to be quite generic. And one of the reasons that doesn't work is because they're not answering questions which are typically in the mind of the person who reviews your application to be a trainer. So what are those questions that you need to answer in their mind. Here they are. One, who are you? Two, why are you contacting us? And three, why should we care? Who are you? Why are you contacting us? Why should we care? Because what makes you different as a trainer is your approach. It's explaining to someone that you understand what they espouse, what values they espouse, what they represent, whom they serve, and what you can do for them and their clients. So, you know, sending a CV is not just going to be good enough. It's that simple. It's not good enough. This is a competitive landscape. You need to step up your game. A picture is worth a thousand words, but a video paints a thousand pictures. So I'd like you to think about preparing a video. I'll talk to to you about that in a moment, but also to prepare a pitch deck as if you were an agency pitching for business. You would take this very seriously, wouldn't you? So prepare a pitch deck, not just a CV. You can provide a CV if requested, but work around developing a pitch deck which clearly articulates why someone should invest time and effort in developing you, onboarding you, and putting you 
on front of their clients. Now, if a CV is requested, you can work with the resume writer. I suggest you don't this, do this by yourself. I would invest some money and get your CV customized to that client's needs, to that training company's needs. The number one mistake many people make is they do not pitch to um, different people differently. They pitch to everyone with, this, with the same video, the same pitch deck, the same CV. It doesn't work. So here's my pro tip for step number three. If you've no video content, arrange a free talk with a local company or community and get it filmed. This works wonders. Uh, work with a videographer and then get a testimonial from the participants, which show value to your prospective training company. And this is called social proof. So this proves that you're actually able to stand up in front of people and deliver a compelling uh, training uh, experience or a some kind of uh, training or coaching experience, which tells them you're worth proceeding with, you're worth talking to further. So all going well at this stage, you've impressed the right person and that person has the power to invite you to an interview. Okay, this is now step four. And step four is rock the interview. When you turn up, you will need to look the part. You will need to sound like you're from the mothership. What do I mean? When a training coordinator or a faculty manager, um, a head of global resourcing, etc., when those people, you know, um, meet someone for the first time, a trainer who wants to join their team, they're looking at you and they're trying to picture whether you would be bought by their clients. In simple terms, do you look the part? Will a training room of people be convinced by you? You will probably have been asked to prepare a five-minute, ten-minute, or fifteen-minute uh, training session as a taster, and you'll deliver this typically in front of either a group of your peers, in other words, other prospective trainers, or in front of people from that company. And this is common practice. So that's the key word: practice. I need you to practice this at home in front of the mirror, in front of friends, and get feedback. Video this on your iPhone or your Samsung um, or your Huawei device, whatever it is, get out some kind of camera, phone or, or handy cam or something, and practice, practice, practice. Look at yourself, prepare, prepare, prepare. So you're in on the day confident. And in terms of confidence for the interview, ask questions. Don't just turn up and hope everything's fine. Ask who will be there, how long you have, is there a Q&A session at the end, is there a projector or a screen, do I need to bring something? Uh, I would advise that you prepare a handout, something which is tangible and physical after you've left the room and delivers real value, not just some bullet points of your presentation. And often this is a second purpose because it shows that you can also design good training content, not just deliver it. So my pro tip for number four here is prepare to be asked questions. As someone who trains other people how to present, I'm always mindful of the fact that many presenters do not prepare for questions which they have created in the mind of the audience in the course of their presentation or something which someone may throw them just to test their knowledge on a particular subject beyond the content they've delivered. Be prepared for this, okay? Be prepared to ask questions of your audience, but also to be answered questions. Rather, be prepared for people to ask you questions which you may or may, might not expect. Write them down, prepare a verbal response, 
maybe prepare a handout for that particular question or even prepare extra slides. You've a range of options here, but just do not go into that preparing to have no questions. You'll often get someone ask you questions, so be ready for them. Okay, we're at the last step now to get hired as an associate trainer. Step number five, keep selling. Any company that hires or is in the market to hire a new freelance trainer or contract trainers typically does not do so individually. Typically, they have what's called an intake. They will hire a group of new trainers to join the pool. This makes common sense because it saves the effort of hiring people who perhaps may not make it past day one. So expect to be among other trainers when you're being asked to come along and to uh, demonstrate your skills. Now, this process might take several months before a new trainer's day or training boot camp, as they're called, takes place. What some people do is they apply, they receive a favorable reply, um, but don't then do anything. They expect that the training work will come in. It doesn't. Sometimes it might be weeks, even months, in my case, a year before someone says, actually, thanks for applying last year. We actually now have a need where we could see you uh, being helpful, where you could, uh, you know, make money. Um, Here's a date and time. We'll be uh, interviewing you or watching your presentation alongside other trainers. Okay. The thing that many people don't do is They don't keep in touch. They send the application in and they forget about the application. But the people who get hired are the people who keep on keeping on. So um, people sometimes, when they welcome you to the pool or the faculty of trainers, they sometimes change their mind because they forget about you. So your job here is is to not stop selling until you're in the door. So what do I mean? Um, Even if someone says to you, we've... uh, had the interview with you, we like you, we'll be in touch. It doesn't mean you stop contact with them. It's important that you keep in touch. You send news of what you're doing, maybe new qualifications you've achieved. Well done. Uh, Maybe new courses you've delivered and learned to deliver. Fantastic. Maybe testimonials that you've received from other people, other companies. Congratulations. This is all good stuff. And it's all legitimate self-promotion to let them know that you're the person they should hire because you're working on developing yourself and keeping yourself valuable to others and to them. Now, if the answer is no, and this does happen, I've had no's too. If someone says, sorry, we don't see a good fit or we just don't have a need right now, do not stop. Apply anyway. Many people give up when they see something on, on a website or an email which says, we're not currently recruiting. The truth is, actually, that training businesses are always looking for top-tier, top-drawer trainers. Maybe not today, maybe not this year, but I like persistence, and I'm sure most training uh, companies do. They like people who show professionalism and self-belief. They like to hire people who don't give up. Because think of it this way. Imagine you're hiring a sales trainer. How on earth could a sales trainer train people about persistence in selling if they can't sell themselves persistently? It doesn't make sense. So keep on keeping on, keep in touch, uh, film a quick video of yourself maybe once or twice a year, attach a case study of work you've done, sound and act like you want to be in their team. And my pro tip for number five is twice a year, check in with that person. Maybe that person's moved on. Maybe someone else is in the role. Don't just assume that things are the way they were when you last 
contact that company. Uh, and when you're doing so, uh, don't just ask for an update, which is what I call take, taking, but instead uh, give them an update about you, which is what I call give. So focus on the work you're doing and maybe focus on the work that they're doing with their clients and show that you're actually informed about the kinds of projects they're working on and make reference to something they're talking about online or what they've achieved. Uh, and even do this if you've already been hired, because that's something else people often do is they assume once they've gotten past these stages, they're now in and work's going to come rolling their way. It doesn't always happen. You're with a pool of maybe 50, 60, 30, 100, 200, 400 other trainers. You still have to stand out. So keep acting as if you've not been hired, even when you have been hired. Stay in touch. It's up to you. You're the only person who can promote you as well as you can. Okay, so five steps to get hired as an associate trainer. Congratulations. At this stage, you've done all these things. You're now hired. You're now on the panel or a member of the faculty of trainers. Well done. It's a serious achievement. You've passed the test. But as I said to you a few moments ago, you've not yet been given any work by the training company. There could be other trainers vying for the same business, and maybe they have a closer relationship than you have with the person who gives them work or sends work their way. So it's up to you to stand out, not just now or tomorrow, but consistently. So think of ways to make yourself valuable. And in episode 22 next week, we'll be answering that question. The question is, what do I need to do to keep on getting work from a training company once I've been hired as a training consultant? What do I need to do to keep on getting work, quality work, from a training company once I've been hired as one of their consultants. So that's it. That's a wrap for today. That's the first episode of 2019. Thank you once again for all your emails and your contact and your encouragement. And thanks again for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, and of course on Spotify. And please leave a rating on iTunes because this helps to promote the show and to attract the right guests, the kinds of people whose experience and expertise and knowledge can help you and your training business. I look forward to speaking to you next week again. Have a great training week. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.